we want to read that passage together. Whoever is helping us upstairs, I believe this mic seems a little hot this morning. Okay, Psalm 23, verse 1. Read along with me. It should be on the screen as well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And may the Lord add his wonderful blessing to the reading of his word. As the psalmist David opens uh, this amazing psalm, he begins with this glorious declaration, the Lord is my shepherd. We say that all the time, don't we? but to really fully appreciate what it means to have the Lord as our shepherd. First of all, just to consider as we've already referenced the verses in Peter, that he is the great shepherd. He is the good shepherd, as the Gospel of John declares. He is the shepherd that is willing to lay his life down for his sheep. He is the shepherd who is faithful to meet all of the needs of the sheep of his pasture. And uh, the psalmist says that this shepherd is the Lord. The Lord, that word in the original Hebrew is the word that and the name that God gave to Moses when Moses said, well, whom shall I say hath sent me? And the Lord said, I am. That was translated from four letters, Y-H-W-H, from which we declare the name Yahweh, translated, I am. The God who was, the God who is today, and the God who shall forever be. He is the self-existent one. He doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need anything. He is God and God alone. And I love the way this name of God speaks of his all-present nature. He is forever seeing, past, present, and future. Forever knowing, past, present, and future. And forever being with us, past, present, and whatever our tomorrows may hold, he will be with us. That name Yahweh occurs over 6,800 times in the Old Testament. It's the most popular name 
for God in the Old Testament. Most often it is translated the Lord. You will see the Lord in all capital letters. And that is a reference to that is Yahweh, which we also have translated Jehovah, Yahweh. We're familiar with the name Jehovah, are we not? That name we know are the covenant names of God, the God who was, the God who is, the God who shall forever be. And, and we're familiar with names like Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. He was our banner. He is our banner. He shall forever be our banner. Jehovah Jireh, he was our provider. He is today our provider, and he shall forever be our provider. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord who was my righteousness, who is my righteousness, and shall forever be my righteousness. And we could continue on, but this morning we are looking at the name Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. Now Javier gave us another metaphor this morning for how God deals and works in our lives. But I think that the most beautiful in all of the scripture is that of a shepherd. Because the heart of the shepherd is focused on one thing, and that is the sheep. The responsibility of the shepherd is all-consuming. And God in his word has declared that he is the shepherd. And this, this helps us understand how he desires to relate to us and all that he is doing in our lives as our shepherd. Perhaps, as Javier said, he, he can't think as much about God as being shepherd. But maybe after my sermon this morning, he will. But, but I wonder how many of us are thinking during the course of our lives, Lord, you're my shepherd. You're my shepherd. You know, we cry out the name of Jesus and Lord, help me and Father. And, you know, those names are perhaps so familiar and so common and generally used. But I, I pray this morning that by the power of the Holy Spirit, as God reveals to us all that it means of who he is as our shepherd, it will endear him to our hearts in an even greater way. Jeremiah paints this beautiful picture of the care and the compassion of a shepherd when he says in Jeremiah 31 and verse 10, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Such a beautiful picture of the shepherd. And David says of this Yahweh, Jehovah Rohi, he is. I like that. He is presently the reality of my life. He is the shepherd of my life. I have a personal relationship with this shepherd. He knows me by my name. And let's be encouraged this morning, all of us, corporately, but then personally, to understand that God says we are the sheep of his pasture.
He sees us as sheep. He understands the nature of sheep because actually we are so much like sheep. Sheep could not exist and survive without a shepherd. You know, in the animal kingdom of so many animals, those sheep that are so docile and sweet and cute, they are so disadvantaged they would never survive without a shepherd. Did you know that if sheep are grazing without a shepherd and there's a cliff, if one goes over the cliff, they'll all follow because they need a shepherd to guide them away from danger. But God, as our shepherd, guides our lives because we're like sheep. We go astray. We go astray. But he is such a faithful shepherd to bring us back into a path that is right. And Jesus said in John 10 verses 3 and 4 that my sheep hear my voice. Or John is writing this and referencing Jesus as the great shepherd. And he says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Billions of sheep, billions of born-again Christians. He not only knows your name, he knows how many hairs you have on your head. Do we understand how intimately knowledgeable the great shepherd is of our lives? Sometimes we're tempted to think, Lord, do you, do you really know what I'm going through right now? Do you really understand the implications of all the ramifications of this, this trial and this test? He reminds us, I'm the good shepherd. I not only call you by name, but I know every single little tiny detail of your life. And he leads them out. Where is he leading them? Into the pasture. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. We're, we're not walking this Christian life alone. We're not walking blindfolded. We're not walking feeling like, I, I just don't know what to do. The scripture says he goes before them and the sheep follow him. See, a sheep... We need to learn to do one thing, and that is to obey. We need to do one thing, and that is to tune our ears to the voice of the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. I wonder if we, we are all hearing the voice of the great shepherd. Sheep need protection because they are weak and they are vulnerable. Do you, did you know that if a, a sheep somehow turns over onto its back, it cannot turn itself back onto its four, four legs. And there on its back, if it's not turned over, it's going to be easy prey for some wolf or some animal to come and destroy it. The shepherd is the protection that that sheep needs. We need the protection of the great shepherd and he is there for us 
He is there also to provide for us because sheep depend on the shepherd to lead them to pastures where they can be fed. So think about these three things and let them get into our hearts that this good shepherd, this great shepherd of the sheep, he guides us, he protects us, and he provides for us. Therefore, we need not fear, but only trust and obey. And so David makes this glorious declaration, the Lord is my shepherd, and as a result of the reality of that fact, I shall not want. I'm not fluent in the Italian language, but there are some Bible verses and some conversational pieces that I know. But my favorite is the translation of this verse in Italian because I feel like it says it so much better than the English and actually gets closer to the original meaning of what it means I shall not want. Il Signore il mio pastore. I like that too because that, that's pastor. But of course it... it it's translated shepherd. Nulla mi mancherà. Nothing. Not one thing do I lack because I have him as my shepherd. Aren't you thankful for that? If you have lack in your life today, something is awry and that's why it is so very important for us that we always make it the prayer of our heart, that prayer of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would have the revelation, the Father of glory, to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What? And just knowing the word? Oh, so that we could say, oh, I know this fact and that fact and the other fact and all these different statistics about, no, 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 no. Revelation and the knowledge of him. Because my Bible tells me that when we know him, we come to see that he has provided all things that pertain to life and to godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him. I want us all to feel challenged this morning. I, I think we'll all confess that there are areas of life where, where there, there's a lack here. I, I, I just, I know God has more for me. Well, God says, open up your heart. Let me reveal myself to you as the good shepherd who supplies everything that you need for life and for godliness. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The tense of this verb infers he causes us to lie down. You know, there are times in our lives that we get so busy, we get so taken up with so much of the activity of life that is going on with us, in us, all around us, that God says, it's time for you to pause. It's time for a selah. It's time for a bit of rest so that you can hear my voice again, so that you could discern my will and way in your life, so that I could bring you into these green pastures, the, these verdant places that are lush and flourishing with the riches of heaven that God wants to 
pour into our lives. But it requires that we lie down and we tune our ears to heaven. And in that place, we buy and eat without money and without price, as Isaiah says, until our souls are satiated, satiated with the riches of the glory of heaven's manna that God wants to feed our souls with in the revelation of who Jesus is. Do you ever stop and think about this? That it will take all eternity, which we know has no end, to fully comprehend and apprehend all that God is as he reveals himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 2 continues, he leads me beside still waters. These are waters of rest. You know, life so often is a picture of anything but rest. There's so much turbulence that is going on. I think I, I have a picture of a body of water that is turbulent. Imagine this in your mind. God says, I, I don't want you to know that kind of lifestyle, but I want you to know the calm body of water that I'm leading you beside. These are waters that are going to bring refreshing and peace and joy to your soul. Quiet streams. He restores my soul in this place. I've said this often, but we need to often be reminded that while we are a spirit, our life is expressed through our soul. That is where the carnal nature lives. That is where this flesh wants to make its dictates. How we think, how we feel, and what we want. And as we go through life, our soul gets damaged by the things we see, by the things we hear, by the offenses that come against us. The good shepherd wants us to know that he wants to restore our soul. That you don't live in anxiety, you don't live in angst, you don't live in fear, you don't live in frustration. God wants us to come out of that funk. But the only way we could come out of it as we allow the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the pastor of our souls to come and minister to us as only he can. You know, as a pastor, I encounter a lot of people, their souls are in a funk but God wants you to know today that he wants to restore your soul. And when he does, peace will replace anxiety and joy will replace depression and glory will replace spiritual apathy and lethargy and complacency where I just don't feel like praying and I'm not in the mood to read my Bible and I don't feel like going to church this morning. Let the Lord restore your soul and you will be energized and renewed. You will mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not be weary and you will walk and not faint. He restores our soul. Verse 3 continues. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Again, the good shepherd is leading us 
in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He's faithful to put us on right paths. And I know that sometime, again, our soul, our carnal nature says, God, I'm not too happy about where you've put, put me right here now. Get me on another path. And God says, this is a righteous path. And it's for my namesake. Because I put you here on this earth to bring honor and glory to my name. Do we realize as disciples, as kingdom people, that we don't have rights to how our life is to be lived? We have the choice, not the right. It's his prerogative. I'm his to command. He is the captain and the leader of my salvation. And I love the way Stephen prays about the leadership of Jesus is perfect in our lives. And sometimes that take us, takes us on a bit of a circuitous path that doesn't feel comfortable. But we need to remind ourselves that this is a righteous path. And I'm bringing honor and glory to the name of my great shepherd. That's why we need to remain faithful and fully surrendered to his will because then he will truly lead us and guide us. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't like to come to this verse, but the reality is that while we are in this flesh, while we are living in this fallen world, we cannot always remain on the mountaintop because we live in a fallen world. There are times that will come into our lives where we will be confronted with a valley. But we need to remind ourselves today that the word of God tells us it is not a permanent dwelling place. Yes, we will go into the valley, but we are not staying there. We are going through the valley of the shadow of death. That valley does not kill us. It does not destroy us because it's only the valley of a shadow. Do we need to remind ourselves of what a shadow is? The shadow is not the reality. The shadow is not tangible. It's a, a replica of something that is cast by something else. But it's just a shadow. You can't grab it. You can't hold it. You can't move it. It's a shadow. And that valley of death is only a shadow. The wonderful truth is this morning that Jesus took the full reality of what has cast a shadow and he defeated and he destroyed death. And by his death on the cross, you and I no longer need to fear death, but we could rejoice even in the hour of death because Jesus has won the victory for us. We will fear no evil. Why? Because God has promised he is with us. I love that old hymn. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Tis heaven to me, wherever it may be, if he is there. And then we sing the song, Lord, I'll go with you through the valley. I'll go with you, with you all the way. Wherever he leads me, 
I will follow because he is the good shepherd. He conquered death. And as the great shepherd, when he sees his sheep suffering, he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Because he went this way before, and as the good shepherd, he experienced everything that we experience, only to the nth degree. We have this much suffering. He had this much suffering. We suffer for this much sin. He suffered for the sin of the whole world. Hallelujah. What a Savior. He weeps with us when we weep, and he understands, and he carries us when we cannot even carry ourselves. And the psalmist says, your rod and your staff, O great shepherd, they comfort me. Some Bible commentators believe that the rod and the staff were two names for just one instrument, that, that staff, as it were that was used to beat off any predators that were coming around and also to assist the sheep to walk in right paths. And as we follow faithfully the great shepherd, he says, I prepare, verse 5, a table before you. It's amazing to me that this great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ, wants to wine and dine us in the presence of our enemies. When life seems to be at its very worst, when you are at the very bottom, God, the great shepherd, says, open your eyes. I've prepared a banquet table here and now for you to feast upon the riches of my grace. You say, Pastor, you, you just don't understand. You know, when you suffer the kind of loss that I suffered, then you can't see a table. You just feel like you're going to starve to death because your soul and your spirit are so parched and dry and you don't have any more tears to shed. I was so blessed last week as I was listening to a message by Bill Johnson. I think I recently mentioned him to you that his ministry partner and beloved wife of over 50 years went home to be with the Lord. I'll tell you the truth. I just, if the thought ever comes into my mind, I rush it out real quick because I just frankly can't imagine doing life without my wife. And yet, just weeks after his wife passed, he said, I have never experienced the presence, the peace, the grace, and the love of God that I'm experiencing in my life right now. Wow. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. By the way, just by way of aside, he said the secret to a happy and a successful and a blessed marriage is that each spouse loves God more than they love their spouse. And I think, frankly, that's probably what is keeping Bill Johnson right now. Because God was more precious and more important 
to him than was Benny, his wife. And maybe married people, we need to think about that challenge. Do I love God more than I love my spouse? I can't leave this thought of the table in the presence of our enemies without sharing this wonderful quote that I came across by Louis Giglio. The devil wants nothing more than to crush you. I think we know that, right? John 10, John 10, 10, the thief comes for one purpose, to steal, to kill, to destroy. He has one ambition, and I like the way Louis puts it, to crush us. He wants to steal from you everything that you value. He wants to kill everything in your life that's good. Ultimately, he wants to destroy you. If he can claim the victory over your mind, he can eventually claim the victory over your life. But the message of Psalm 23 is that the good shepherd prepares a table for you. And it's a table just for two. The devil is not invited to sit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a table for you and the great shepherd. Open up your heart. Let me feed you the riches of my grace. Let me feed you the treasures of peace that pass all understanding. The world can't give it. The world cannot take it away. Let me lavish my love upon you that even though you no longer know that physical touch of love by that loved one, his love is like an ocean. We can't plumb its depths or climb its heights. It envelops us. It consumes us. That's what the good shepherd wants to do for us as we sit at his banqueting table. And you anoint my head with oil. We know oil is always a picture of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit in the scripture? He's called the paraclete, the comforter, the one who has come to walk alongside of us, guiding us, directing us, revealing to us, opening our minds, opening our hearts, bringing the revelation of God to us. And as we walk this life, what do we need more than this? The renewing of our minds. That's really where the problem is. That's how we get defeated because our mind is not in the right place. <laughs> but can we say to the good shepherd this morning, oh, shepherd of the sheep, you, you gave us the Holy Spirit that he might anoint our head with oil. I need my mind anointed with the revelation of who God is so that when I'm in that straight place, I can know that God makes the crooked places straight. When I'm in that impossible place, God is the God of the impossible. When I'm in that hard place, there's nothing too hard for him. It all comes by the Holy Spirit anointing our minds. And you know, Christian friends, if, if this is the experience of the sheep that belong to his pasture, then our cups are going to overflow. We're not going to be able to comprehend 
and embrace the fullness of all that God has for us. I forget who it was. I think it was D.L. Moody. But it was one of those great men of God when he was just so fully surrendered to God and his heart was so open to God that God just started to pour in. And he was pouring like a fire hydrant into this small little mouth. And, and D.L. just cried in a moment of just total ecstasy, realizing that he could not contain anymore, saying, God, stay your hand, because I fear I will perish if you continue to pour into me such abundance. My soul cannot contain it all. Sadly, that's rarely the experience of our life. But when we understand who the good shepherd is and what he wants to bring to us, this is Psalm 23, is to be the reality of every day of our life, of every moment of our life. Yes, some of those moments are walking through the valley of only a shadow because he makes us more than conquerors through him who has loved us. You know, we love Romans chapter 8, don't we? Where Paul just speaks of just triumph and glory. But there's one little verse in between there that says we are led as sheep to the slaughter. But in spite of it all, we are still more than conquerors because he always leads us in triumphant ways he is so faithful my cup overflows surely goodness and mercy what are goodness and mercy it's steadfast love it's love that never quits it's love that never ends it's love that does not depend on our love isn't that wonderful even when we are not faithful he is faithful that's what the word of god says and we need to ground ourselves in the word because I know, I know that I know that there are many times when I'm not faithful, yet he remains faithful and his love never quits and it never ends. It follows me all the days of my life. I think it's the uh, Passion Translation says that goodness and mercy chase you down the street as we're walking through life, there's something that's pursuing us. You know what it is? It's the steadfast love of God. It's goodness. It's mercy. It's grace. It's provision. It's kindness. It's love abounding, overflowing. The good shepherd brought the goodness and mercy of God to David. And David experienced it. He lived in the faithful expectation that he, all the days of his life, understood that these will follow him all the days of his life and into eternity. <laughs> I shall dwell, not maybe, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a calm, guaranteed assurance. David would enjoy the presence of the Lord forever and ever and through all eternity. Aren't you thankful for this great pastor, Jesus, who pastors our hearts, 
who guides, protects, and provides for our lives, who never leaves us, never forsakes us. He's not fallible and frail as I am. He's the faithful good shepherd. I know as your pastor, I can never please everybody all of the time. In fact, there have been times I know over these past years I've offended people. Some of them are not even here anymore. It was never my intention to do that, but somehow, some way, they got offended, would not allow me to explain why I said what I said or did what I did. All they knew was, I'm out of here. That's why, Christian friends, I know we want to follow our leaders, and it's my prayer that you could follow me as I follow Christ, but you better keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus because he alone is the captain and leader of your salvation. I could encourage you in your salvation experience. I can equip you to do the work of the ministry. But he is the one that has the blueprint of your life. And you need to keep your gaze upon him. And you need to love him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. For when we make the first commandment first place in our life, we will experience the bountiful riches and the blessings of having the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the bishop and pastor of our souls accompanying us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're going to close this morning by singing a, an older gospel song, Gentle Shepherd.